understand what the kingdom of God is like. You know, like I, I mentioned last week, um, when uh, Jesus out there, he was resurrected before he was ascended. He spent 40 days with the disciples talking about the kingdom of God. I mean, just before he was ascended. Yeah, I think I said that right. Before he was ascended. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, verse 3 highlights that Jesus spent 40 days, his last days on earth, before he was ascended, after the resurrection, he talked about the kingdom. And, and so much of the disciples, because that's what their expectation of the Messiah was, that they would establish his kingdom. And uh, they were asking if he was at this time going to establish his kingdom. And he says, not, not for you to know the time of seasons, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm the direction I'm going right now. It, just, uh, you know, it says in Luke that the kingdom of God is not here or there, but the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is here. And uh, before I get too uh, deep into my message this morning, I just want to, this is not necessarily uh, a Christmas message, but the Christmas message is in this message. Because um, we're talking about Christ, our King, who has come to us. I'm going to start off this morning actually reading from Luke, um, with Luke chapter 2. I'll, I'll tie this into my message this morning. And I'm going to tie into the Christmas story but from the shepherd's point of view. I think, you know, there's so many different elements of the Christmas story. And I think one of my greatest highlights has always been the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I usually have a message that I've taught before in years past. And I will use, I will bring scriptures from Micah, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, Daniel even, uh, some of the Old Testament scriptures that point to the cross. And I'll, I'll look at Mary and her lineage. I'll look at Joseph and his lineage. And how these shepherds were not just any ordinary shepherds. They were priestly shepherds. And they were the priestly shepherds who they would they normally would examine the lambs to see if they were fit for sacrifice. Because they had to have a lot of lambs. And a lot of these shepherds had mangers. And so, but there was a very specific manger where they would put uh, the lamb to be examined. And they would put it in swaddling cloths. And so it would not injure itself. It wouldn't become blemish. And so, and so these were shepherds who knew exactly, I mean, all of this, the whole Levitical law about the whole system, um, picking the sacrificial lamb, was all a foreshadow of the real lamb that would come. And I bring out all the scriptures and bring it out, and it's such a beautiful picture that when these angels came on the scene to pronounce to announce uh, Jesus' birth, that the Lamb of God was born in the exact same manger that the, 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 the allegory had been born all these years. And that, that's, you know, God doesn't miss any, any detail, including the swaddling cloths. I mean, the, the, I mean, the fact that they were there. I bring out in, from Boaz how uh, Ruth comes from the lineage of Boaz and lineage, and, and this, and this, uh, uh, place that they were were was exactly where Mary and Joseph would have been because they were uh, uh, that was their home when they went back for the the, the citizenship or, or the uh, uh, census mm-hmm. uh, that's where they went back and because she was pregnant because she was given birth according to Leviticus law she would have considered unclean mm-hmm. so when and, and we I even bring out in the Greek and different things the inn wasn't talking about some holiday inn because it wasn't no room. They just, they had to be outside the camp because she was unclean because of giving birth. And so they, they would have been in this place 
and Micah brings out in the name of names, and I don't have my notes, so, uh, but it just, that Jesus was born in the very specific place where the, the lambs would be born. And these shepherds get the, this message. And I'm not going to be teaching all that right now. But then when I talk about the Magi, Magi, I bring out how they came from Persia. And Daniel speaks a lot about that, how they came from Persia. And they were waiting for the Messiah. Remember back in the days of Daniel, Daniel was, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, but then eventually the Persian Empire took over. King Darius, I'm going to be mentioning some of that this morning. Um, but a lot of the Hebrews were in Persia. And anyway, uh, anyway, there was prophecies and whatnot, and, uh, and uh, these magi, magi came from Persia, and they came to worship the king. And anyway, I'm not teaching all that right now, just uh, for whatever it's worth, I gave you a little bit of a, uh, uh, what I've done before. It's just an awesome message. Anyway, here we are in uh, uh, Luke chapter 2. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Sorry, verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. This is to all people, not just to the shepherds, not just to the Jews. For there is born to who? You. That goes with Isaiah 9, 6. Says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And I don't have time to teach all this right now. And this will be the sign to you. There's a sign he's given them. Mm-hmm. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, cloth lying in, and actually the, the, the original Greek didn't say a manger, it says the manger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very definite article. I don't have time to teach all that right now. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Awesome story. Uh, it's not just a story. It's a, it's history. It's a, it's a Christ, Christ came to us. And you have an awesome message and his teaching on the war is over. And he will use this as his main premise to teach that the war between man and God is over. Because this Christ has been born unto us. And he has brought peace and goodwill towards men. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that peace and goodwill towards man and his kingdom. Because uh, this Christ, this king, has been born unto us, that he would rule. Uh, let me just tie this in. Uh, I wasn't planning on going here, but let's go to Romans 5.17. came to die that we might live. And Christ came to reign. Christ came to ignore the throne of death. And he came to reign that we might live. And uh, 
I kind of step back when we were going to go this morning. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 4, where we started last week. And I'm not going to reteach all this, but I just want to springboard from here. And I'm going to pick it up where, uh, where Jesus on John the Baptist this week. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent for the kingdom of, of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Just the way Matthew describes that. The kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is here. Fast forwarding to verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. And I spent some time last week talking about repentance, meaning to change our mind. I spent some time last week talking about what the gospel is. Uh, it's not an exhaustive story about the gospel, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, to everyone who believes. To keep, but I spent, I spent a lot of time last week emphasizing that the kingdom of God is here. It's here now, and I'm going to continue expounding on that point this morning. I made this, I gave this definition last week, I think I, I heard this from Dwayne Sheriff, and I like this. When we're talking about the kingdom, and specifically the kingdom of God, we're talking about the saving, redemptive rule and reign of God in our midst. I'll say that again. The saving, redemptive reign and rule of God in our lives or in our midst. We can, we can rephrase that and change the last part of that phrase. I want the saving, redemptive reign of God in my family. I want the, the redemptive, saving uh, rule and reign of God in my church, in my city, in my school, in my, wherever God has us. Where I want God's kingdom to come and His will to be done here on, on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the rule of God. It's the reign of God. If you're going to have a kingdom, then you have to have a king. And the king, and I just even love the word kingdom, because if you split that up, is a king who has dominion. It's a king who has dominion. If sickness is reigning in our lives, then in that circumstance, his kingdom is not reigning. If there's lack, or there's division, or whatever the case may be, strife, uh, in those circumstances, his kingdom is not reigning. But God's kingdom is here. Death once reigned, I, I, I switched to from Romans 5, 17, but his kingdom is here. And his kingdom is the reign. As we get started this morning, I didn't get a chance to get here fully as I'd like to last week. So I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 6. And I, I think I referred to Matthew 6, but I referred to the other passages that I had in regards to this. I'm going to point out three different things. Two of them are the things that Jesus said. And the one that what uh, the writer of Hebrews says. The three different things that we uh, our response is to the kingdom of God. Um... Kingdom of God is here, but at, and at the same point in time, the kingdom of God is not operating automatically. Um, and I'm going to let me explain that. And if I just use them going into my message, I'm going to explain that because we don't see the kingdom of God necessarily operating in the one's lives, even in the church. Mm -hmm. uh, his kingdom is here, and His will is to be done on earth as in heaven. But we don't always see that happening. And, uh, and so we're going to highlight three different things. Lack of better term, you can kind of call these commandments. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the law. But these are commands. There's some commands that Jesus gave us. Uh, there's some commands that Paul has given us in the New Covenant. One of those is love one another as ourselves. 
And he said, this is not a new commandment. John echoes it in 2 John. Uh, a new commandment I give to you, but it's not really a new commandment. It's one that you've heard from the beginning, that we love one another. Um, as he has given commandment. But uh, let, let me just uh, go ahead and say it. But the first one here is, it says in, uh, it's the Lord's Prayer, the disciples had asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And that always intrigued me, that the disciples asked Jesus to pray, because that tells me that they saw him praying. They saw him seeking the Lord. They saw him asking God. They saw him, and so if this is how he taught them to pray. I don't think that he taught them to pray, so we just recite this prayer. And that's all we do. I don't have a problem with reciting the prayer. But he took, he, he gave us a model how to pray. And in this prayer he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not going to go ahead and read the whole prayer right now. But just highlighting this first part in verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says that we are to pray and asking God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as in heaven. Now we've been around us long enough, we've been around Andrew long enough that we're not pleading with God to move. We, and uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, we are asking God. We are, we have authority. We have the power of attorney. And, the, and we also talked about it last week on Luke. The, the gospel of Luke, that the kingdom of God is within us. It's not here. It's not there. The kingdom of God is here. But in whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether it be in our own lives or in other people's lives, we are we are asking God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. For example, and we already read in Matthew chapter four that Jesus went about all Galilee and all the whole region preaching the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, and then he says he healed the sick. He healed the disease. So how does he, how do we pray for his kingdom to come? First of all, when I see the sick, I lay hands on the sick so they recover. Mm -hmm. I'm praying. I'm I'm proclaiming. I'm 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 asking. I'm demanding what is due. I'm using the name of Jesus, and I'm proclaiming. I'm praying that his kingdom come. His will be done on earth in this situation as it already is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no strife in heaven. And so we have authority to pray that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not necessarily pleading for God to do something that he's already done. Yes, at the time that this was shared, this was Old Testament because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. I understand that. At the same point in time, you know, even Paul says, as he talked about the armor of God, he, he encourages us to pray. He encourages us in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. We are to pray. And what are we to pray? I believe one of the things we're to pray that his kingdom come as will be done. When we hear things in the news, when we hear things going on with family, when we hear things going on in our lives, when we get a doctor's report, our financial report, or whatever the case may be, that we're going to pray his kingdom come. His will be done in this situation. The, the doctor's report is not going to be the last report. His report is the last report. And it says in Isaiah 53, whose support will you believe? And it's in that passage that he says that he was surely he was chastised for our iniquities and that, uh, chastised for our peace. And so, um, anyway, I uh, hope you're making sense this morning. Yes. I lost my train of thought. That's why I jumbled there. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Um, just some notes here I have. You know, his king, again, I'm echoing this part. His kingdom is here now. 
It's not just in heaven. It's here now. Excuse me. We're praying for his kingdom to come. What I'm hearing is present tense. It's not going to be. You know, through the years growing up especially, and I'm not blaming this on anyone or any particular teaching or whatnot, but I always had the perception we're waiting until he comes again for his kingdom to be established. We're waiting to go to heaven to experience the kingdom of God. But I'm also dethroning that concept that his kingdom is here now. That is going to be a glorious day. And then, and then when that comes, there will be one kingdom. And, uh, and, and we will all be in the kingdom of God in that aspect. But today is the day of salvation. And the, his kingdom is here. And that's one thing I'm going to really be emphasizing this morning. That his kingdom is here now. And we don't have to pray and wait for that day. We can, we can expect his kingdom to come here now in this situation. I mentioned last week from the book of Revelation that he has redeemed us by his blood and he has made us kings and priests that we would rule the earth. That we would pray and we would exercise his kingdom on, on earth as it is in heaven. We're not waiting for God. He is telling us to pray. He is telling us to exercise. He's telling us to use power of attorney. He's telling us to use our authority and to pray. And, and with this prayer, I see an expectation. His kingdom come and His will be done on earth in this situation, whatever it might be, on earth as it is in heaven. That make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot I can elaborate on that. Uh, but and I'm asking for God to reign in my life, my family, my church, my, my city, my body, my finances. Uh, it's not just a future reign, but I'm inviting, God invites His people to relate to His kingdom. Um, we're not, I'm not relating to the things happening in the earth outside of the kingdom of God. Because if the kingdom of God is not ruling and reign, the saving, redemptive reign of God is not ruling and reigning in that situation, then I'm going to dethrone the reign of that system. And I'm going to pray His kingdom come, His will be done in this situation. I'm not saying we're going to assert our government. I'm not talking about that. As long as that government does, is not interfering with me preaching the gospel and me administering the gospel. That making sense? I guess spend some time next week talking about, you know, when we when we come into the kingdom of God and we start operating in the kingdom of God, we're gonna find opposition. We will always find opposition. A kingdom is somewhere is something that has a rule and a, a reign in, in, in a situation. When, when sickness is reigning in my body, a different kingdom is reigning in my body and not the kingdom of God. When discouragement is reigning in my thoughts, in that instance, in my thought life, a different system is reigning in my thoughts and not the kingdom of God. But there's also opposition. You'll, you'll find this both in the, the, the church setting where there's persecution of the religious leaders and religious people. And you'll find us even in the world, but you'll find us with the kingdom of darkness. That when we start going forward in the kingdom of God, we're going to find opposition. It will come. Jesus promised it would come. Paul echoed in the last day that would be here very severely. I'm not necessarily echoing, I'm not pronouncing that we're going to go through a bunch of difficult times. But we're also not promised it's always going to be a bed of roses in that sense. But at the same point in time, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That makes sense? I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. 
Um, but let me go to the next one. Uh, later, uh, as we fast forward in Matthew chapter 6, we talk about praying. This one I'm going to switch gears here. Um, let me just read it. Starting with verse 24. Because no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Therefore I say to you, in other words, you can't have two masters, you can't serve two kingdoms. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, where you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food, and the body more than the clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them, or you not more of more value than they. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your statue? Statue. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither they neither toil nor spin. And I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is is until tomorrow is thrown to the oven. We can not much more clothe you of your little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, or tomorrow, well, tomorrow will take care of its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's a lot here I can focus on, but the first one we talked about was that we need to pray His kingdom come. Now we have instruction. We are to seek the kingdom of God. When we're to seek it first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His His righteousness and truth are the foundation of his throne. Anytime we talk about righteousness, we're also talking about the kingdom of God. You can't separate those two. But we are to seek first his kingdom. Um, I want to come back to some of that in a minute, but I want to go to the next one real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, when I read the book of Hebrews, I'm going to start verse 25 here. I'm going to read to 28. Nine. I think 28 is the verse I want to get to. But uh, just before I get here, go here and uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. Now he's been. I love the book of Hebrews. It's just so rich with so much truth. He just got finished talking about the heroes of faith. He's coming to the conclusion of his book. But in this chapter, he talks talking about. Uh, let Jesus be your focus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Then he spent some time, spent some time talking about how we are sons, and he's going to discipline and chastise us as sons. And then he goes into he's, uh, what we're going to get into right now. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, that we obey his voice, that we listen to him who speaks. You know, how do we must know that even when we're saved and when we're sick, when we sin, sin will harden our hearts. Mm-hmm. And we need to listen to his voice. Anyway, uh, I get, I'm getting my thoughts mixed up here. It says, verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. 
for they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he was he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken, as of things that are, are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28, here's one I want to get to. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is consuming fire. There's a lot here, and I'm trying to bring some things into context here with the chapter, but that's not so much my bigger point. My bigger point is uh, we are, the first one was we need to pray for this kingdom to come will be done. The second one is we need to seek first his kingdom. The third one, we need to receive his kingdom. And when we receive his kingdom, and he, if he is our king, if he is our Lord, then we're going to hear his voice, and we're going to hearken to that voice, and we're going to do what he instructs us to do. How many of you know that? And, and, but we're, we're also receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But he goes on, he, he goes in, on to say that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but that which cannot be shaken will be removed. We need whatever is not of God to be shaken out of our lives. That make sense? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a stronghold. Especially if it's controlling us. Especially if it's something that keeps us from seeking Him first. Especially if it keeps us from something that we'll, we will pray His kingdom come and His will be done. Especially if it's something that will keep us from hearkening to His voice. Something that will keep us from, because He starts off in the first of the chapter, uh, put off the sin that so easily entangles you. Uh, we, need to, we need to keep our focus on Him. Um, this ties into the discipline of the Lord. This ties into a, a, a good parent is going to discipline their child. So that, especially if they're bad behavior or a bad train of thought. They don't want to go the rest of their life thinking that way, operating that way. Now, um, not every child is always going to respond to the parents chasing them and different things. And I get that. Well, we, and God doesn't chasten us to punish us or to uh, ruin us or to abuse us. He's purifying us. And uh, because I don't know about you, but I want only one kingdom to be reigning in my life, and that's the kingdom of God. I want God's kingdom to reign in my life. I don't want sickness to reign in my life. I don't want bad behaviors to reign in my life. I want God's kingdom to reign. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. And so we must, we must pray, we must seek, and we must, must receive the kingdom of God. That's my third point here. In other words, there's a lot I'm bringing out here, but I'm, 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 I'm throwing these out here to say a couple of different things. First of all, we need to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken even. How many of you know there's other kingdoms out there? There's other things that are co- trying to control our lives. There's things that are trying to control our thoughts. There's things that are trying to control our emotions. There's things that are trying to control my mind senses. There's things that are trying to control my health. There's things that are trying to control my family. There's things that are trying to control the church. There's things that are trying to control our city and our society. And they're not the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And they must be removed. They must be 
um, his kingdom come, his will be done. We're seeking first to the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and we are receiving a kingdom that can not be shaken. Um, in other words, again, we're, I'm, I want to tie this right back into, we've been talking about the kingdom of God is here. It's here now. Yes, we're going to see a glorious kingdom, the same kingdom when we go to be with him face to face in heaven. But if, if his kingdom is not here, and it's not now, then why pray? Why seek? Why receive? If it's not here. If it's not now. But it is here now. And it is something we can pray. It is something we can seek first. And it is something we can receive now. That makes sense? Yeah. That's one of my major points I wanted to bring out with this. There's some instruction to pray and to seek and to receive. And to hear His voice and things that go along with that. But... My bigger point that I'm trying to bring out this morning is that his kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. And if anything else is trying to dominate the kingdom of God, then it must be shaken. It must bow to the kingdom of God. I'm not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is in me. The kingdom I am in the kingdom of God. I've entered the kingdom of God, and I have been inaugurated by his blood to be his king and his priest in the earth. So have you, and so have I. We are brothers and sisters of the same kingdom. Does make sense? Okay? But his kingdom is here. It's now. And we can pray. And we can seek it first and foremost. And we can receive a kingdom. If something else is shaking us, and it's we're rattled, then we're not... A, in that moment, in that train of thought, we are not in the kingdom of God. We are not operating in the kingdom of God. And we need to be translated and we need to get into the kingdom of God and operate because his kingdom won't be shaken. We've gone through some horrible things at times. But it is very peaceful. We started off talking about that he has brought peace on earth and goodwill to his land. And it's so awesome. I'm not saying the trials are awesome. But it's awesome knowing that you have peace in the midst of the storm. Because we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That makes sense? And the enemy can shake, he can bombard us all he wants, but we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He has crushed, bruised his heel, but through Christ we have crushed his head. At Genesis 3.15. Okay? Um, let's switch gears for a moment. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Again, I'm, I'm highlighting, I'm going to bring out that the kingdom of God is here. Now, I know I'm looking at the Old Testament, but here we have two particular, what I would consider heathen kings. They're not godly kings. But they have a revelation of the kingdom of God. And they realize that even then, the kingdom of God is here. And they said, I got that there. We're going to look at two kings, Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius, and they had a revelation of the kingdom of God. first one is King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the scene, the scene with this first one, I'm not going to read the whole story or the whole context, but King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And um, I'm not going to even go through the whole interpretation of that dream, just this one verse, verse 44. In verse 44, Daniel interprets it and says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom 
which shall never be destroyed. That sounds very familiar to Hebrews chapter 12, right? Mm -hmm. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. They shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That's awesome. This is back in Daniel's day. This is Nebuchadnezzar's. This is interpretation. But how many of you know that we are of a kingdom that will not be shaken? It will not be destroyed. Another, another, and I'm going to bring this out a little bit more next week. But this kingdom is going to consume all the other kingdoms. They will bow. I'm going to spend more time on that concept next week, okay? Uh, uh, let's go to the next one real quick here. Um, it's Daniel chapter 3. And this scene we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And same king, Nebuchadnezzar, built this big statue. And he was commanding the people to bow. And as we know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. I'm going to pick up verse 22. He says, Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. I mean, just even to this point in the story, the man who put them in burned up, and these guys are still haven't burned up yet. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that they even reached the ground, the, the, uh, uh, the furnace, the, uh, it's already a, a miracle. Verse 24, Then keeping that Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his Counselors, did we not cast three men abound into the midst of the fire? And he answered and said to the king, O oh, tr true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth, fourth is like the Son of God. Now, how he knew it was the Son of God, I don't know, but it, it, was, a, it was so. Now, that's, that's something to ponder, too, how this, this heathen king, if I can, uh, even knew it was the Son of God. But he had a revelation of no was, and so it was. Anyway, and then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, I think I pronounced that right, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw three these, these men on whose bodies... The fire had no power, the hair of the head was not singed, nor were the garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they had they have frustrated the king's word, and gilded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that the, any nation our language, which speak, speak anything against, speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made in an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Verse 1. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to be declared the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. Verse 3. And how great are his signs, and how mighty his wonders. This is the king of Nebuchadnezzar, now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, 
and his dominion is from generation to generation. King Nebuchadnezzar had a revelation that the kingdom of God is here. And it's greater than any other kingdom. Uh, he is from everlasting to everlasting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, in other words, King Nebuchadnezzar had a very real here and now experience of the kingdom of God. That, that can be entered, it can be released, and it's in full operation. That's awesome. A lot can expound on that, but I want to move forward to the next one, Daniel 6. And Daniel 6, now this, in this particular situation, Daniel did have favor with the King Darius. But Daniel had enemies. He had opposition. If you ever read all the Old Testament stories, every single one of them had opponents. Yeah, you know. And uh, I can say a lot about it. But he had particular men, fellow men, who were jealous of him. And they were jealous of him and his God. But Daniel, and basically the, the decree was that they, they tricked the king in making a, a, a law that Daniel couldn't worship and pray to his God anymore. But Daniel didn't, that didn't stop Daniel. What did Daniel do? He prayed all the more. And, uh, and anyway, we're going to pick up verse 24. Uh, Daniel 6, and it says, And the king gave the command, and they brought these men who had accused Daniel. Now, okay, I'm thinking that i got to give a little more background. Daniel had spent the night with the lions. And we know the story. And uh, uh, not only did, did uh, Daniel uh, survive, but if you read the story, I'm not going to go back further, but... Uh, King Darius prays. He spends a night praying. And he's praying to Daniel's God. The true God. I mean, uh, not only... See, not only... Daniel's life was such an evidence that it, it caused people to be jealous of his God. They saw God working for him. They saw the revelation of his kingdom. Even so much, even the King Darius saw that. Even, even Darius spent the night praying to God. That his kingdom would reign, that God would save him from the mouth of the lions. I don't know about you, but that that intrigues me. That this heathen king would pray to Daniel's God, uh, uh, what not? And just uh, knowing this, the, 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 I mean, this Persian king would do this. Um, I can pick up verse twenty-four. He says, "And the king gave them command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, their children." and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, man must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. And steadfast forever, his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who have delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Again, I'm just echoing that these two kings had a revelation of the kingdom of God that a lot of people today in the church do not. Mm -hmm. And the one says it's an awesome tes testimony or commentary but in every sense, it's, it's a sad commentary. We need a revelation of the kingdom of God. They experienced it. We should experience it. In the same way that Daniel demonstrated it, we need to demonstrate it to the world that there is a king 
and he is alive, and he is real, and his kingdom is everlasting. His kingdom is powerful. Does that make sense? We might not be dealing with actual lions, but we have people dealing with sickness. We have people dealing with all kinds of things that are not of the kingdom of God. They are the kingdom of darkness. And they are doing one thing that they like, like lions. They're trying to take people out. We have a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the enemy is trying to take people out in this generation. And we have a kingdom that is here. And we have a kingdom that is now. Okay. Um, see, uh, when we pray, when we seek, and when we receive the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign intervenes. When we, the natural order is superseded by the kingdom of God. So many times we give in to the natural order of things. When we are part of a kingdom that is everlasting and that it supersedes all other kingdoms. The redemptive reign and rule of God is what the kingdom of God is about. And the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is within us. Is that making sense? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we, how many of you know that we serve the kingdom of the living God? He's not a dead God. He's not killing people. He's making people alive and well. And his kingdom is everlasting and everlasting. Okay, I want to switch gears. Uh, let's go to John chapter 3. Some of what I'm saying this week, and kind of a continuation of last week, but also some new stuff I, uh, I'm getting prepared for what I want to talk about next week, too. So there's kind of a transitional message for next week as well. But uh, I didn't, I wasn't ready to go there quite yet. So I want to bring out some more points. I kind of touched on some of this last week, and I want to uh, finish some thoughts here. So we're picking up in John chapter 3, we're going to pick up verse 2. And I'm going to read through the verse 5 and I'm going to make some comments. Now this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. Now that tells you something. You know, he came by night. He wasn't going to come in broad daylight. Anyway, that, that's another story. And he said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher, the cup of God. And this Pharisee knows that his testimony. Well, no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. That, now that's an awesome testimony. Verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most certainly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6 also. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Now, I just want to make some comments again. Now, when we talk about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is now, he, he does say in verse 6 here that what is born is flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So many people, and they, they were doing this in Jesus' day, disciples including, and they asked him at this time of year now, restore the kingdom of God. They were always looking for a physical kingdom, but not a spiritual kingdom. See, um, 
if we're born again, so many times we think, so many times, even in our prayers, and then what we're expecting God to do, we're still looking, Paul says in Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are, are, are spiritual. They're not carnal. They're not natural. Okay? We, um, we need to stop thinking, think, for instance, so many people, when we, when we keep looking to the physical, we will miss the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. The natural people cannot see the kingdom that is here. Yes, King Darius and King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego saw evidence of a real kingdom. And even then, it was not a real, it was not a natural kingdom. But it was very much alive. It was very much real. He didn't have a physical dynasty. He didn't have a physical um, castle and a, a throne. But it did have a throne. And it is a kingdom. And it's not, as Jesus said, and we're going to read that in a few minutes, it's not of this world. Okay? But so many times we're looking, they were looking for a physical kingdom. They were looking for a natural kingdom. They were looking for an earthly, a political kingdom. But the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's heavenly. It's a universal. It's redemptive. It's an eternal kingdom of God. We'll, we'll spend some more in a, in a, week, in a week or two. We'll, we'll be looking more closely about at this thought, but I'll make this point now, it's also progressive. So we need to, we need to see the kingdom of God. Verse 3, let me get back here. We, we need to be born again to see the kingdom of God so that we can enter that kingdom. That makes sense? There's a progression. And we're going to see how the kingdom of God is supposed to progress, it's supposed to increase in our lives. Um, We'll be looking at uh, closely in a, in a week. I don't know if I'll bring it out next week or not, but it might be the week following. Uh, we'll be looking at how God talks about the kingdom of God is like leaven in the lump. Not the le- little leaven will leaven the whole lump. There's an increase. I've seen Sherry uh, make bread. Uh, and usually at the time of year, she'll probably make the next couple of days cinnamon rolls. And she'll put yeast in there. And, you know, it's. There's a process for that yeast to cause to, a whole lump to rise. And usually, and I've also seen, uh, I've seen it, I, I, don't, I can't tell you if it's working or not. She knows if it's working or not. But every once in a while, the yeast is bad. Or the yeast is not working properly. Or something in the process didn't work right, and the yeast doesn't do its job. And Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, and if we can't make the goodies that we are wanting, yes, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, and then you just tell me, do we need more yeast? I'll go get it. You know, what do we need? I'll go get it. But, uh, you know, but there's a, we should be maturing in Christ. We should be glo- growing from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We should be growing uh, in our walk with the Lord. We should be maturing in our walk with the Lord. We might not be where we want to be, but we're not where we were. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but there's an increase. There's a, there's a progression in the kingdom of God. Um, and, uh, and, you know, in the progression can work both ways. I've seen people where they get a revelation of who they are in Christ and it's just like the light turned on. And you can just see the growth. You can, you can hear it in their voice. 
You can hear it in their expression, in their demeanor. You can see it. I can see when people are doing well spiritually, and I can see when people are not doing so well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you don't water the grass, you'll notice. It turns brown. Yeah. When you water it well, it turns green. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things will, too. And now you have to sometimes weed and different things. You have to mow it. Uh, you know, there's not much upkeep to something that's brown. You know, it's just dying. But you can tell when people have been watering their plants, when watering their garden, been watering their yard. You can tell when people have been in the Lord. You can tell when people that have been abiding in Him and His Word abiding in them. You can just tell. And you, you can also tell, too, when maybe someone is abiding in a sense, but something else is also abiding. There's another thought, there's some worry, there's some discouragement, there's some depression, there's a sickness. You can tell when someone is not doing well. And sometimes it's not so much what they say, sometimes what they, you don't, they don't say. Uh, I remember I mentioned to a gentleman uh, a few years back on the phone, he called me, he had a lot of different issues, physical issues, a disease he's had for a while, I, I can't remember if it was since childhood or not. And finally, one day I just said, you know, brother, I love you, but uh, um, every time you call, and I want you to feel like you can still call, I'm not challenging that, but every time you call, I'm always hearing everything wrong with you, but I'm not hearing one scripture that you're standing on. I'm not hearing, I'm hearing you magnify the problem, but I never heard you once even mention that, I'm going to magnify the God who's... I'm not going to tell the God about my problem. I'm going to tell my problem about my God. And I'm not going to magnify the problem. So, you know, it's so easy, especially when something's going big, to keep talking about it and keep wallowing about it and keep, keep uh, discussing it. Or, and, but some, every once in a while when I find myself doing that, something just switches and I go like, you know what? Enough talking about the situation. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to magnify God. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should have done it for the strength. But at the same point in time, and that should have been the first thing we done. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. That's what Daniel did. Now, when they were opposition, the first thing they went to is their God. And, uh, and so, um, anyway, you can tell when people are, are, people are grounded and established in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God has a voice. The kingdom of God, there is going to be signs that will follow those who believe. That make sense? Yeah. Um, things are going to come at us. We can't sometimes stop the sickness from coming. Or we can't sometimes stop the opposition from coming. But we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when it involves other people, it gets complicated. We can't always control people. But we can control how we're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And we're going to control our environment and our soil mm-hmm. uh, for that to be. And we are, uh, uh, but anyway, um, no. Daniel didn't have control how Darius was going to respond. But he controlled, God was in control. And God, you know, uh, anyway, there's a lot I can share about both of those instances. But both, uh, you know, when when, uh, the kingdom of God is ruling and reigning, God will have the last word. It's awesome. You know, um, there's a lot I can elaborate on that. I'm going to spend a little more time on this next week, but look, I want to touch base on this real quick before I mention a few more things. Before we, uh, quick, uh, let me see, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hold that for next week. Um, just for good time. 
what I want to do just before we close, and I kind of mentioned something else, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. I'll make sure I get these three things in here as uh, we wrap up. But I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to pick up verse 9. It says, For this reason, Paul says, We also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and the wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. For he hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath conveyed us into the kingdom of his Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, and the forgiveness of our sins. There's a lot here, and I may mention this last week. First of all, I want to just highlight verse 12. God, through Christ, has qualified us to be partakers of inheritance. I spoke some time on this for last week and even our last teaching series on the promises of God. I was going to bring some voice and verses out to, to even echo that again. But we have an inheritance in Christ. We have an eternal redemption in Christ. And Paul says, and I brought this out last week, Paul, uh, Paul says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He says in Romans chapter 8 that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the Spirit, if uh, we do not get a, a Spirit that leaves us with fear, but we got, we give, we've received the Spirit of adoption by which we call, call Him Abba Father. And if we are children, then we are heirs, and heirs according to the promise. We have been redeemed by His blood, and we have been made made kings and priests to rule the earth. There's a lot encompassed in our inheritance. But one of those things that we have inherited is that is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is here. The spirit of God is here. The spirit of God is within us. And we have been partakers. We have been qualified to be partakers of this inheritance. For he has delivered us out of the power of darkness. Aden has power. Aden has dominion. It's a kingdom of darkness, and has conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of his son, or dear son, as the King James would say. And we are no, how many of you know that we are not in the kingdom of darkness? So we don't have to be subject to it. We don't have to be subject to sickness. We don't have to be subject to strife. We don't have to be subject to uh, lack and other, we don't have to be subject to any type of addiction. I'm not just talking about immoral sins, but I'm talking about or a bottle or some, some type of substance abuse. But we also don't have to be subject to gossip or any other bad habits that is trying to control us. And one thing I'm going to be bringing up more and more next week is that what's controlling you? What's your Lord? What's your master? Uh, something that is controlling you or doesn't want God to control you is another kingdom. It's called opposition, too. And I'm going to be bringing that out as well. Just the fact that we are serving the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, is opposed. And he's not going to just sit back and just take it. 
He doesn't have any say. He's a defeated foe. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean he's not going to strike back. It doesn't mean that he's not going to attack. It doesn't mean he's not going to inspire other people to attack and different things of that nature. But we are of the kingdom of God, and we are not subject to this kingdom. We are of a different kingdom. We have been translated. I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself all the time whose kingdom I'm a part of. And I have to, I just have to realize, I just have to walk myself through this process. You know what, this thing's trying to control me. Or trying to control my finances. Or, or it could be something like, you know what, we're here to have a good night. Maybe a date night, or just have a nice night, or even just, we're getting ready to go to bed. And the enemy wants to stir up something. Maybe something that we're going through, or finances, or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm just like, you know what, I was so looking forward to this. And I didn't... How many know that our flesh and blood is not our problem? It's that we have an enemy. Mm -hmm. And there's just something, you know, we can bring every thought captive to obedience of Christ and say, you know what? This is not how my story's going to go. This is, you're not going to interrupt our, our, our night or our Bible study or whatever the case may be or our trip or whatever the case may be. I am of a different kingdom and I pray his kingdom come and I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and I'm going to receive a kingdom that cannot and will not be shaken by whatever this other thing is trying to come against me. That making sense? Yes. And so when we understand these things and we start connecting the dots with these things, we, we can, when we're finding something, we're finding ourselves against something, I'm praying his kingdom come in this situation. I'm going to seek for his kingdom and his righteousness because all these other things are going to be added to me and I am not going to, and I'm going to receive a kingdom that cannot, will not be shaken. It must bow or it must fall off. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. This is real. Amen. It happened with Daniel. It happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not going to be moved or controlled by some other dynasty or some other kingdom, even though they killing them in the lion's den or fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. But uh, in both situations, it was a testimony to the other kingdom. I mean, even Nebuchadnezzar said, they frustrated my, basically were frustrating my command. But they wouldn't bow to another god, they would only bow to their god. They were frustrating my command. When someone opposes you and won't obey you, and you feel like you're an authority, that's frustrating. Yeah. You ever, you ever try to babysit something or, or watch a dog that won't obey? I mean, lately our, our dog has developed some bad habits and it hasn't been obeying as much as it used to. And there's just been some times we've just had to, uh, having to retrain it. We're, we're the masters. We're the boss here. And you will sit. And you will lay down, and you won't be so uh, moochy. Uh, <laughs> and there's all kinds of things in your background. But we don't like him, her to mooch. We don't like her just to take things off people's plates or different things. That's going to have some manners. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's going to be under our roof, and it is under our roof. And so, anyway. And we're not trying to be mean to it, but it's going to have some uh, respect. And we're not. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we have control over the animals. We have control yes. over our pets. Not to abuse it, but to bring it under subjection. Mm -hmm. I would be to be. That makes sense? Yes. Okay, true. there's a lot I can say here, but um, let me just say this. I was going to make this point too. If God has no kingdom, then there is no salvation. Because God had to bring all darkness on subject. God had to, um, uh, the power of darkness had to be broken. The power of Satan had to be broken. The power of sin had to be broken over our lives. See, Satan cracked and bruised his heel 
Like I said, and um, I let you go there real quick. I'm just about done, but I can't spend a lot of time here. But Genesis 3, 15, it says, and, Jesus, and when God's talking to the saint, serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking to the serpent. Serpent is the you. And between your seed, the serpent, and her seed. And he shall bruise your head. Yeah. But you, sh- sh- you shall bruise his heel. God, his seed, seed of Christ. And a whole other study I'm not going to go into right now. This, this is speaking to the virgin birth. This is speaking to her seed, to Christ. Her seed will crush his head. And he is to be fucked. Mm-hmm. Right, if, we didn't have, if, if you don't have a kingdom of God, then you don't have this ability. You don't have this power. But that has already taken place on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that has taken place. And because of that, we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of darkness, dear son. Let's go to John 6, 13. Two more passages in our throats. This, uh, this one I'm just going to go over real quick. The backdrop that's happening here is that Jesus just fed the 5,000. How many of you know that if you feed people, they'll serve you? <laughs> if you take care of their basic needs, that they can trust you, that they can be dependent on you, they will. Anyone who's dependent on you is, in a sense, your servant. I'm not going to go into all that for right now, but, but, not, but there's a, a dependency. How many of you know that God's our dependency? We're not trusting people. We're trusting Him. He's our source. But anyway, that's a whole other message. Therefore, when Jesus would see that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him a physical king, a natural king, He departed again to the mountain by Himself alone. He came to be king. He came, and we're going to see that in just a minute. But he was not going to be by force, forced to be a natural king on their terms. Okay, so he would do himself. And this was the teaching of the 5,000. They wanted to make Jesus a natural physical. See, again, they were still seeing things physically. They were seeing things on a natural level. And we see things on a natural level, we will sometimes miss it. We're going to see this a little bit more next week, but the religions of the world use their kingdom, their power, their influence to oppose the will on people. That's a kingdom. That's, a, that's someone who has, is using their dominion. Uh, but, uh, see, the kingdom of God is no manipulation. Uh, we're not manipulating people to come to the kingdom of God. That, it won't work. Because manipulation is not part of God's kingdom. It's a free will. It's a free choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, a lot I can spell on that. That's not a major point, but I do want to conclude with this in Matt, John 18. I know we're Christmas season, so we're going to be focusing more on the Easter message right here. But Luke 18, we'll finish up with this. Jesus had already been arrested and before Pilate. And he makes a couple different powerful th- statements here. We'll begin verse uh, 31. Then Pilate said to them, You take him, meaning Jesus, and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Okay. Um, that, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. But so he's been finally entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Uh, his first re- reaction here is, 
It makes, almost makes it sound like he's being sarcastic. And Jesus answered him, but I love his answer. Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Again, the question was, are you the king of the Jews? And he's saying, are you, in other words, did you get this revelation? Or is someone telling you about me? Jesus knew the answer. But it was a little, being a little bit sarcastic. He's like, are you speaking this for yourself, or are there some others telling you this concerning me? Verse 35. And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Verse 36. I love this answer. And I mentioned this last week. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy about that last week for verse 37. And Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a kingdom? He asked the same question. And Jesus answered, You said rightly that I am a king. And this is where the Christmas story comes in as well. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. There's a lot I could tie in right here, but we just read in Hebrews chapter 12 that we need to hear his voice. We heard a message last night that we need to hear his voice. Now, when we hear his voice, it should paint a picture that we can see. And God has painted the picture, we can see. He's painted the picture through the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. he, he's given us a sign. And our sign is Jesus being in swaddling cloths, laying in the manger. He's given us the cross. But he said, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. See, we also hear in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shore. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Jesus came in this world to be our king. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it, but his kingdom is not of this world. But it's an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is now. Uh, there's not a lot I can expand, I want to expand on this as, we, as we're closing this morning. But I just want to, I just want to keep echoing. His kingdom is here. His kingdom is now. Next week I'm going to be highlighting a lot more about as we go forward in God's kingdom, there's going to be opposition. But just because we are opposition, again, we do not get a spirit of fear. Of power, love, and a sound mind. I don't know about you, I don't like the opposition, but sometimes the opposition is echoing that we are going in the right direction. If we're not getting opposition, then that tells me something. We're either going in the same direction. But anytime we go forward, we will receive persecution. Andrew brings out his commentary that persecution can come out various. Guys, we think of the persecution being martyred and whatnot. Yes, that's a form of persecution, but rejection and all kinds of different things that go along those lines can be forms of persecution as well. And Jesus promised that it will be persecuted. 
But Jesus is our king. Jesus, we will, we will, our position, what we, some takeaways that we have from this morning, that our job is to pray his kingdom come. Our job is to seek first and foremost his kingdom and his righteousness. Our job is also to, um, to receive his kingdom. That cannot be shaken. There's a verse I was going to bring out. I must have overlooked it, but it says in Hebrews chapter 1, I think it's verse 8, that the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring that out in Esther. Esther mentions that, you know, and, and Esther hadn't wanted to go before his, the king, which is her husband. But back in her day, if the, the, if the king didn't uh, raise his scepter, it could be a death sentence. You couldn't just come freely to the king without the scepter being pointed. A scepter is, is just an instrument that the king would use as their authority and, and their role and their reign. But God's scepter is a scepter of righteousness. For he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God. His righteousness is his scepter. And he has given us his peace. He has pointed his scepter towards us. He has put his kingdom in us so that we can pray his kingdom come, that we can seek for his kingdom, and we can receive a kingdom that will not be shaken. It will not be denied. We can trust. It, we, it, it, stay, it, is, it, it is. You can't get more concrete than a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You can't get anything that's more stable and more trustworthy and uh, something we can rely on. We the rest of our lives in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and uh, anyway, there's a lot of stuff in that. Well, we worship you. We exalt you. We thank you for the kingdom of God is here. Well, we worship you in this Christmas season. And Lord, I just speak your blessing on each family and each person. I thank you, Lord, that unto us a child is born and to us a son is given. And his name shall be wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the increase of your government and peace, that there will be no end. Whatever situations we might be facing, or encountering, or enduring, or people that we know us who are enduring, we proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And it reigns. And we will preach the gospel Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify you. In your name, we give you thanks. Amen.